Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CE curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Our next speaker, uh, who will discuss reversal of factor 10A inhibitor uh, intracranial hemorrhage, discussing anexa 4, anexa I, and real-world evidence. Dr. David Sefke is well-known to this audience. Uh, he is professor of neurology. He's a stroke neurologist uh, with the Department of Neurology at Inselspital University Hospital in Bern, uh, Switzerland. And he is uh, someone that I think has enormous experience in the area of, of taking care of these patients, not uh, just pre, but post now, uh, a DOAC uh, universe. So please uh, come up and let us hear about this. Thank you very much for this kind uh, introduction and uh, I managed to come here. So um, yeah, it's uh, a pleasure for me to be here today and uh, actually Bern is not so far away from uh, from Munich so it was just a short train ride and although our hospital is called in the Spital, which virtually means uh, hospital on an island. There is no island in Bern. It's, uh, I don't, I, I tried out, tried to find out why it's called like this. I never got it. Probably somebody can tell me one day, but so there, I reassure you there's no island in, in, in Bern. So I'm going to start to speak about Anexa 4. Uh, you have heard about this study, which is, uh, it was a single arm study actually enrolling patients with uh, uh, 10A inhibitor associated major bleeds. So it was not an ICH population, it was a major bleed um, um, population. And um, then uh, these patients then received uh, endexin alpha and, uh, and were followed up for, for, for clinical outcomes. Um, I would just like to highlight that um, there have been several di um, publications. You have probably seen the New England Journal publication, but very recently there was actually the final study report. So there's a full study report and a final study report. Um, which actually then uh, uh, reported the final number of patients with, with Route 479, so a very large number of patients actually in this study. So if you have read the, um, the uh, New England Journal report, you should also read the circulation report because it reports new data then. Um, just would highlight that these, as I told you, these major bleeds were in a vast majority CNS bleeds. So 70% of these patients actually bled in the brain. So there were some GI bleeds, there were all the other bleeds, but um, it's, we are quite fortunate to see that there is a large number of, uh, of central nervous system bleeds, traumatic but also non-traumatic bleeds. Um, so I think something we have to have in mind when we're talking about this data, that it is a single arm, so there was no control group, and actually the main reports were about a mixed population, including intracranial hemorrhage, but also other types of hemorrhage. Um, these are the main results. You have probably seen them. So this is from, uh, from the New England Journal publication. And um, the main outcome or the main endpoint was actually anti-10A activity. And so you see always the baseline um, values over here and over here for, for Ruroxaban, for Apixaban. And there was also then an, uh, uh, a, um, a study where they enrolled a bit more of Edoxaban patients because in the beginning there were not many Edoxaban patients in the, in the study. And you see that they, these patients tend to be good and good on a good anticoagulation. So some levels between 150 around this. And then you see the end of Bolo's, um, uh, end of Bolo's result and it drops down immediately uh, intensively going to zero more or less. And this is quite consistent for, for Apixaban, for Uroxaban, but also for Edoxaban. And then it stays until the end of perfusion and goes up slightly after a few hours. But um, this is something uh, we have seen in the publications. 
So this was the main result. Um, there have been publications about a subgroup of those patients that we are interested today, uh, patients with uh, intracerebral hemorrhage. And um, this, as you can see, there were, at this time point, it was the, the, the full and not the, the, the final, but the full population had um, and the efficacy population where you had some spontaneous bleeding, so non-traumatic bleeding, but also traumatic bleeding. Um, and these are the main results on, on, on the right. You see over here, I think that's the most... Most, uh, most striking finding, you see the baseline volume, you see the blood volume on follow-up, so baseline volume was 9.5 mil, follow-up is 9.5, so there's just 0.1 mil of difference, and this is what you see as the absolute, absolute uh, change and change from baseline, and um, so this was quite, quite, uh, quite a stable uh, hematoma population after treatment. Um, how do these uh, data for ICH patients uh, compared to real-world evidence. You had also seen the study um, already. Natalie uh, mentioned it uh, briefly. This is a matched cohort because, you know, in Anexa there was no control group, but we have obviously real-world um, cohorts, and uh, Retrace 2 was a large um, uh, German-based uh, um, cohort study with patients on with anticoagulation bleeds, and they also had a few patients on DOAC bleeds. The majority was VKA bleeds, but also some DOAC bleeds, and they did uh, good work to, to, to actually harmonize these um, these populations to, to match them, actually, so to match Anexa 4 patients and retrace patients, and then to compare outcomes in these patients. And the, the main finding is, uh, is the, the raw number of, of hematoma expansion uh, patients with the definition of, um, of Anexa 4, which is, which is a change of more than 35% on the hematoma volume between baseline and follow-up. I think it's important to have this in mind because sometimes these hematoma expansion definitions slightly differ a bit between uh, different studies, but you see the result is 14% versus 36%, which is obviously statistically significant. Um, and um, then there is some other data out there for, for acute treatment. Uh, those who attended um, ESOC last year in Lyon had probably seen um, the Tichinoak result, which was a study that we conducted in Switzerland, um, a, an academic study where we actually enrolled patients with DOAC bleeds and we randomized them to receive tranexamic acid as add-on therapy or placebo, add-on to normal standard care of treatment at that time point. This was in, a, uh, in an area, uh, was conducted during a period where Andexate Alpha was not available in Switzerland, so patients received PCC. So it's somehow represents a um, standard of care um, uh, population at that time point. And there was no effect of tranexamic acid on, on hematoma expansion. Um, but if we take this data, just the aggregate data from Titch Noak, and compare it with the aggregate data on ICH patients that we know from an XR4, we see that um, these populations are quite comparable. So median age is quite comparable, and HA's baseline is quite comparable time from onset and in last intake seems to be quite comparable. Also baseline volume somewhere between 11 and 30 mils. So this is the normal median uh, hematoma volume that we see in these type of bleeds. And then if we just compare the outcomes, again, just aggregate outcomes, so it's not individual patient data analysis or something like this, and this is what has been presented at ESOC, you see that hematoma expansion in Anexa with 14% and Titch Noak in a real-world cohort treated as we do it at nowadays in Switzerland, 44%, so there seems to be a huge difference, but of course this is matched uh, matched cohort. One thing that we also collected in Titch Noak because it was a prospective Study, of course, we also collected thrombobolic events because we were interested <laughs> whether patients have thrombobolic events, and we also observed a rate of of ten percent of thrombobolic events within within the first um, 
uh, first 90 days, uh, as you have seen also in, uh, in a next uh, 10%. So there seems to be, it doesn't seem to be very surprising to me, to be honest, because this is a high risk population. We see patients with a, which are about around 80, 80 years old. They all have AFib. They all have uh, anticoagulation. So it's, They, for some reason, they take this anticoagulation. If you take away the anticoagulation, then these patients tend to have thrombolytic events. And this is what we see in all these kind of studies. Um, luckily, we don't need to re rely only on matched cohort studies, but there is a randomized controlled trial ongoing, which is, which is called Anexa-I. And probably some of you are participating in this trial and randomizing patients with acute ICH on 10A inhibitors. And these patients then are randomized to receive uh, Andexant alpha or standard of care. Um, and it's well enrolling at the moment. So I think when this trial is going to be completed, we will have a randomized controls randomized controlled evidence for the treatment, which is very good to know because I think for, as you have seen for other situations, we don't have this evidence and we still treat patients. So it's very, very exciting. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, EMCREG International, and Total CME Incorporated. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.